Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. In one place, they had one heartbeat, they had one mind, they had one purpose, and they were all seeking God, waiting for that promise to come, the promise of the Spirit to come. And as they did this, verse 2, suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused. They couldn't understand what was happening because everyone heard them speak in his own language and they were amazed and they marveled and said to one another look are not all of these who speak Galileans and how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born Parthians and Medes Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia Judea Cappadocia Pontus and Asia Phygeria Pamphylia Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying, whatever could this mean? Others were mocking, said, they're full of new wine, they're drunk. God's spirit fell upon this early church when they were gathered together of one accord and of one mind and they all began to prophesy to preach God's word in different tongues and people heard God's word being preached in the tongue they understood and it all makes sense and God was glorified and it happened when when they were together of one accord in one place God's spirit was poured out. And so what you read in the rest of chapter two, in the middle of chapter two, is Peter gets up and he boldly preaches. And he says, these men aren't drunk. This is what was prophesied in the book of Joel, that God would pour out his spirit in the latter days. This is what is happening right now. This is what you're seeing. God's word is coming to pass and God is moving in the midst of you this day. And so he preaches Jesus to them. He preaches a bold message in verse 36. Pick it up. Peter says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's pretty bold, isn't it? Everything that has happened, you need to understand that you're the one who crucified Jesus. That it was your sin that nailed him to a cross. It was because you cried out for a thief to be set free rather than the Son of God. And it was you who saw him nailed to that cross. It was your sin. It was my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. Verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They, they were convicted. Their hearts were pierced with God's word. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we do? I've heard the word preached and I understand that there's something amiss in my heart. I understand that I am in need of a savior. What can we do? I understand it was my sin that nailed him to that cross, but what can we do? Peter said to them, repent. Turn from your sin. That's what the word means. 
turn from a lifestyle of sinfulness and debauchery and wickedness and evil. Turn from that and let every single one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins so that you too might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to all of your children and to all those who are afar off as many as the Lord will call. Did you catch that? God wants to pour out his spirit upon you as well. Now look at what happens in verse 40 as the church begins to grow. It says, with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to their company. 3,000 people saved that day as a result of God empowering the church when he poured out his spirit. Are you following with me? But it didn't stop there. Look at this, verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. That word fear means awe. That the community around them, the lost around them, they were in awe of what God was doing because God had poured out his spirit upon the church and they were being used powerfully. My friends, that's what I desire. I I want the community around us to be in awe of how God is blessing and moving and anointing because we have come together with one heart and say, God, our heart must beat as your heart. Will you pour out your spirit like that? We shouldn't desire to see people healed and saved like we're gonna see in just a second because we, we desire the healing We should desire to see people healed because when people are healed, the community is in awe of that and it's an open door to preach the gospel. The fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter if we live our life and we're blind or we live our life and we're lame or we live our life and we have a heart issue. It doesn't matter if our hearts are not cleansed from within. We should desire that people would be set free from sin. And people are set free from sin when they're attracted to the church, when they're in awe of what God is doing because he poured out his spirit. Do you follow? So these amazing things happen. Listen to this. Verse 44, if you're still with me in Acts chapter two. Now all who believe were together and they had all things in common. You see that? There they are, together again. They sold their possessions and goods. They divided amongst all as anyone had need. So they continued daily with one accord in the temple and in the breaking of bread from house to house. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily more and more and more that were being saved. Because they came together. They dwelt together in unity. And so in Acts chapter 3, you see Peter and John go into the temple. And there's a man there who's about 40 years old who's lame from birth. And he's begging for money at the gate. It's how he made his living. And Peter stops and he says, I don't have money to give you. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man begins to walk. Not only walk, but he leaps. And he's jumping around for joy. And once again, the scripture says that they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And so this healing takes place and Peter sees that everyone's attention now is given to them because this man is healed. And guess what Peter does? preaches the gospel he says the same thing you crucified Jesus you need to repent you need to get saved you need to get right and so they take Peter and John and they arrest them 
And they're worried that religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they're worried about their influence being taken by this common fisherman. So they try to silence him. They, they arrest him and they take him in. Right? And so they find there that there's nothing that they can really accuse him of, so they have to let him go after they've beaten him. They let him go. They warn him to not speak about this name any longer. But listen to this. I love this because verse 23 of chapter 4, it says, And once they were let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. They're just persecuted for preaching the gospel. They're just threatened. Their lives are threatened. Do not preach in the name of Jesus any longer. Quite possibly even beaten. And they're released and let go. They go back to the rest of the disciples and they come together. They have a prayer meeting. They're together with one accord, with one heart, with one mind. And this is what they pray. They say this, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why did the nations rage and why did the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever, whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. And this is their prayer. Now, Lord, look on the threats, on their threats, and grant to your servants that with boldness they may continue speaking your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, and they had one soul. Neither did anyone say any of the things that he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Can you see how amazing God is moving through this church? It's an amazing move of God's spirit. An amazing thing is happening. People are being healed. People are being saved. People are being added to the Lord daily. After that first healing in the temple, 5,000 were added. The first day when the Holy Spirit was poured out, 3,000 were added. Thousands upon thousands of people are being added to the church. We'll finish this time in Acts with verse 12 of chapter 5, it says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, both multitudes of men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people, those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. The community said something is happening in the midst of those believers. No doctor has been able to heal. No physician has been able to diagnose. No psychologist has been able to help. We've nowhere else to go but to these Followers of Jesus, and they hoped that just Peter's shadow would touch and heal these people. And it says that they were all healed. Why? It was the result of the people being together, 
having one heart, seeking God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, saying, God, I don't want to leave this place until your spirit has fallen. And God sees that from heaven. How pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like oil on the top of Aaron's head that flows down his beard into the edges of his garments. It's like that power, wait for that power until you've been endued from that power that is upon high. You should receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then you're going to be witnesses for me. That's what it's about. Unity is so important in the church. Unity is so vital. It empowers the church. The last thing I want you to realize here is that unity protects the body. We're not all the same, are we? Imagine how boring life would be if we all wore the same thing had the same haircut, although I'm sure you guys are really envious of how long it takes for me to get ready in the morning. But if we all had the same haircut, we wore the same things, sang the same songs, listened to the same music, ate the same food, it would be incredibly boring. And what this is talking about in unity is not uniformity. We can still have diversity in the midst of unity, but we all have a different role and part to play in the midst of God's body, Right? That word to be like-minded means to have the same goal. And think about a football field just for a second. Everyone on that football field, the opposing teams, you have men line up, one team on one side of the line of scrimmage, another team on the other side. The offense wants desperately to get their ball across the goal line. The defense wants desperately to keep them from getting their ball across the goal line. They have the same purpose. Now, what would happen if a team started just drafting the fastest player in the draft no matter what, didn't matter how good they were at catching, I don't care how they could throw, I want the fastest person on the field. All of the players on the team, fastest in the league. You know what happens? You get the Raiders, that's what happens. <laughs> and, and nobody wants that. That's right. You get the Raiders. Now, that's fine, right? I don't want the Raiders, but I don't want all of my guys to be Peyton Manning either. Can you imagine if you had a, a team full of Peyton Manning's and he runs around like that? I mean, he goes nowhere. He's got a great arm, but he can't block. He's got a great, great arm, but he can't run. Every person on that team fulfills a certain purpose. And those linemen, they protect Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning protects the rest of the team by throwing. If he doesn't do his part, the whole thing crumbles. If that offensive line doesn't do their part, the whole thing crumbles. They are there for one another, and they all have to be working with the same playbook, the same rule book. They have to be going for the same goal line. If they're not, the whole thing comes unraveled. And you know what's sad is that that's what we have in our culture today in the midst of churches and denominations. Everything is coming unraveled because we are so picky about little things. Now, there are some things that we have to put our foot down for. Doctrinal issues we cannot compromise in, but styles of worship, the way things, you know, we have to agree on why and what we should do as the church, but we don't have to agree all the time on how it happens, do we? See, we're all a part of a body, just like that team. Romans chapter 12 actually talks about this, and I, I think it's important that you guys see this because some of you guys are ripping me off this morning. This is what the scripture says. It says, for as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. We don't all do the same thing. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them 
You've been given gifts by God. Maybe you're a fast guy, right? Maybe you can throw. Maybe you're a good blocker. Spiritually, what does that look like? This is what Paul says to the Romans. He says, if you have been given the gift of prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. If you can preach, then preach. That's what he says. Or if you've been given the gift of ministry, which is serving, then you serve. If you've been given the gift of teaching, then you teach. If you've been given the gift of exhortation and encouraging one another, then you exhort and you encourage. If you've been given the gift of generosity, then you give with cheerfulness and joyfulness. If you've been given the gift of diligence, then do that. Mercy, then do that. What gifts has God given you? Are you protecting me? Do you have my back? Because if you're withholding your gift from the body, if you're not bringing your gift to the party, when we are gathered together of one accord, then we're all suffering. What has God placed within you? What burden has he given you? What do you feel like, man, this is, this is something I need to be doing, God, because if I'm not doing this, I'm not fulfilling your call on my life because you need to find what that thing is and you need to start doing it. One heart, like-minded, unity, unity. Believers also have to have sympathy. Did you see that there? Go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Feels like a long time since you've been there, right? Give you just a second to go back. First Peter chapter three. Peter says, finally, you be of one mind, but then he says, having compassion for one another. Compassion, we need to have sympathy. The word sympathy, compassion, it literally means to put yourself in someone else's skin in order to feel what they are feeling, to have that kind of compassion. Jesus had compassion. He was going around healing people and setting people free and he looked out and I imagine with tears in his eyes and he says, do you see all the sheep? I have compassion for them. I feel their heartache and their pain because there's no one to lead them. All of the religious leaders, they're out for their own good. They're out to fill their own pockets. They're selfishly serving. There isn't a single shepherd to shepherd these sheep and his heart cried for them. He felt their pain. Jesus looks out when the multitudes were gathering around him to hear him preach, to hear him teach. And there wasn't food. And he says, where's some food? Bring me some food. Well, we've only got a few fish and a few loaves. He says, well, have them sit down because I have compassion on them. I put myself in their shoes and they've got to be hungry. They've got to be hungry, so I'm gonna meet that need. I feel for them. I feel for them. Listen, my friends, maybe you need to hear that this morning, that Jesus has compassion for you in the midst of your trial this morning. Maybe that's the one thing you needed to hear when you came here this morning, is that God sees your need. And he sees your trial, and he sees your heartache, and he is sympathetic, he has compassion for you. As if he was putting himself in your skin and feeling the emotion that you were feeling, he does that. Do you realize that's the whole reason why he came? Hebrews chapter four says that we don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but it was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to his throne of grace so we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. 
We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with us. He feels what we're feeling. He understands our frustrations and our heartaches and our needs. When was the last time you, in compassion, put yourself in someone else's skin? Do you remember? I remember so clearly the moment, the day that God broke me and I cried out to God for help. When I cried out to God for salvation, when I cried out to God and said, I can't do this on my own. I've been trying to hold my life together. I've been trying to keep the pieces glued together and I don't have what is needed within me to do it any longer. And I remember crying, weeping on the floor in my youth pastor's office because I didn't know what to do. To sympathize with someone, to realize, remember that you were once where that person's at and that your heart would go out to them. The book of Romans says that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this, that there should be no schism in the body. That word schism, schism to be a division, to divide by force, to tear apart, that there should be no schism in this body but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, we all suffer with it. And if one member is honored, we all rejoice with that member that's honored. You see, if unity pleases God, if unity is important to God, then don't you think that the first thing the enemy's going to do is to try to divide, to try to cause a schism, create a valley in the body? to separate us, to cause there to be contentions and strife and issues. 1 Corinthians chapter one says that we should have no divisions amongst us, but that we should be joined together perfectly and to have the same mind. That these divisions, it's the same word as schism, this tearing apart, but that we should be joined. The word means to be in order, to be complete. We have to be in order and complete. We can't be torn apart by contentions. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. There should be no contentions amongst you. He says, some of you say you're of John, or some of you say you're of Peter, some of you say you're of Apollo, some of you say that you're of Paul. Did Paul or Peter or Apollos die or baptize, or were you baptized in any of their names? No. We should all be together as followers of Christ. There should be no contentions. There should be no rivalries, no, no disputes, no quarrels, no competition. When there's competition created within the body, it's going to cause schism. It's going to cause division. Look at what happened in the life of Cain and Abel. Division. What happened in the life of Jacob and Esau? Division. What happened in the life of Joseph and his brothers? Division. Saul and David? Division. Whenever we allow competition to come in and we're trying to outdo the person next to us in the setting of the body, it's only going to lead to harm. You know what we should do? Rather than trying to compete with one another, we should encourage one another in each other's gifts, shouldn't we? If you recognize that someone is anointed in a certain way, you don't try to compete with that person. You try to lift up their hands. You try to encourage them to finish the race strong. This isn't about any one of us. This is about the glory of God, is it not? So we have to have sympathy. We also have to have charity. It says that we should have compassion for one another and love as brothers. To love as brothers. Jesus loved. God so loved the world he gave his only son. That's what the scripture says. 
Scripture says, greater love has no man than this, than that he lay his life down for his friends. Well, you know, the Scripture also says this in John chapter 13. It's, Jesus writes this. He says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you should also love one another. You should love one another. Then he goes on. He says, by this, people will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.